Howdy folks! Today we are continuing in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 4. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. The word of the Lord. Anytime the biblical authors start talking about idols, gods, deities, I usually think, wow, my life is pretty different from how these people lived. Maybe you have more exposure to polytheistic religion, but it's all a bit unfamiliar to me. So if that's true for you as well, stay with it when you read this type of text. God always has something to say to us in his word. In this chapter, Paul is addressing food sacrificed to idols, i.e. not God, that's important for later. Under Mosaic law, God had set out very specific rules for who could eat the meat or bread from Israelite sacrifices, basically only Levite priests, and how they were to eat it. So we can see that this concept was a big deal to God and to his people. But these sacrifices aren't being put before God, Yahweh, and because these Christians understood an idol is nothing at all in the world, it wasn't a sin issue for them to eat foods that had been sacrificed to these idols. Maybe you're wondering, so why do they even want to eat this food? It's kind of weird anyway, right? Well, this food wasn't some strange specialty food they had to go out of their way to get. For our purposes, pretend this is just any food you would pick up at the shop. It was that common. Paul is about to launch into why this act could still be problematic for the church, even if it's not sinful, but stay tuned for that tomorrow. For today, Paul wants us to be really clear about one fact. There is only one true God who is worthy of any worship, including sacrifice. So let's focus in on that. These verses might bring up questions like, is Paul saying there's more than one God? He says, indeed, there are many. First, consider who Paul is talking to here. This culture was full of idol worship. Wherever you were in the city, you would see, quote, on every corner, an altar to some God, including the altar to the unknown God. When Paul said many that are called gods, they understood exactly what he was saying. That's from Chuck Smith. There were lots of beings referred to as God or Lord, and lots of humans also referred to or even worshipped in these terms. Think kings, rulers like Caesar or Pharaoh, or even family patriarchs or landowners. But another angle on Paul's comment in verse 5 is the Bible's repeated acknowledgement of the spiritual realm, references to powers and principalities, the gods of Egypt, so on. The Bible Project has a really helpful video series about biblical monotheism and the existence of other spiritual beings, and they explain it way better than I ever could. So I'll link that in the show notes. The point is, Paul is declaring the sovereignty of Yahweh, the God of Israel. Whether these many gods or lords are man-made figurines, human rulers, cultural idols, or other spiritual beings, the one true God, our Father, is the one who made all the other spiritual beings and everything else in the universe. There's no power that even comes close to the supreme creating power of our God. So it is pointless to bow down to anything or anyone else's Lord. And we need to be reminded of that. Verse 4 takes us back to a key moment for the people of God from Deuteronomy 6. Moses tells the people, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Jesus himself called this the most important commandment, which tells me that we are by no means immune to raising up other gods for ourselves. If it's the most important commandment, then the opposing temptation must be pretty big. 
As Julie mentioned last week, we are so quick to look to other sources when we forget who God is. When we don't choose to love the one true God with all our heart, soul, and strength, we'll find another God to love. They're everywhere, and they're often really good things. But, quoting the Bible recap here, This Jesus, all other things are from him, through him, and for him. He starts it all, sustains it, and completes it all, and it all comes back to him. He is the source, supply, and goal. And the best part? Verse 6. There is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom we live. We don't have to create an image of Jesus to worship or beg him to show up for us. Jesus came to earth to show us exactly who he is, and he is in us by his Spirit. We, humans, are created in his image. We live through him. Listen to these words of God from Jeremiah 2. They say to wood, you are my father, and to stone, you gave me birth. They have turned their backs to me and not their faces. Yet when they are in trouble, they say, come and save us. Where then are the gods you made for yourselves? In our society, idol worship doesn't typically look like bowing down to wood or stone, but think about how we look to church leaders or the government, our wealth and security, or whatever, whatever other heroes come to mind. I don't want to spend another moment searching for someone else to save the world or to save me. Take a moment with me today to consider what or who else you might be worshiping as Lord. I'd love to hear what you discover so that we might all instead look to the one true God. He alone can rescue us. So let's turn our faces to him. I'm going to pray. Father, forgive us when we turn our backs to you. Turn us around when we do so that we might see your glory once again. Remind us of your distinctive saving power and um, keep us from treasuring anything else in this world above you. And let our faith not be based on human wisdom, but on the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we live.